Can you handle the truth? The informative voice for Christianity, The Marty Mento Show. Well, welcome back to The Marty Mento Show. I'm your host, Marty Mento, the informative voice for Christianity across America. The one who has been called the blue-collar theologian. That's an old boss of mine. He, he said it, it, it was a compliment. So I have taken it, and well, some people have used it over the years, but... Uh, I am so glad that you are joining with us here today on the Marty Mento Show podcast. And again, your thoughts, your views uh, can be shared with us by emailing us, martyminto at gmail.com, or going to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat now also to the Marty Mento Show podcast and uh, keep up with us and also share your thoughts and views with us through those means of social media. You know, it's still trying to, it's a challenge trying to get used to all this and and realizing that that's the way things go today. Well, I am so delighted to be here today in what I call the captain's chair and be able to bring this podcast to you. I'm excited and I give all glory to God. In the last three days, the Marty Minto Show podcast has now reached upwards to 600 listens of the show. Matter of fact, yesterday's show went above 300 listens on that show alone, and I give all glory and honor to God. And I, folks, I'm going to tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Marty Minto Show podcast. Tell your friends, tell your loved ones, tell your coworkers, your neighbors, tell even your enemies to check out the Marty Minto Show podcast. And I appreciate all out there who take it on Twitter and retweet it and who send it off and share it with others on Facebook. It's just, it is a blessing. And I am not just saying that. It's a blessing because the Word of God, God's gospel, the truth is getting out into all the world. And uh, I'm trusting God in my prayer time every day, and I just ask that you keep me in your thoughts and prayers, and you pray with me. Join with me that we want to take this show and really reach people with the truth. And as always on this program, remember there's three aspects to this program that are so important. It's our priority here on the Marty Mento Show podcast. Number one is to learn, to learn the Word of God. Uh, A lot of people don't know what they believe and why they believe it. So we are going to find out what God has to say. We're going to learn together. We're going to grow. We never stop learning. The second thing we're going to do here is by learning, we're going to be able to teach people. We're going to be able to share the truth with them. We're going to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth and, and be able to bring it to others, bring it to our children, our grandchildren, to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, to total strangers. And last but not least, we're going to be able to defend. In the last days in which we're li- living, uh, what we're going to see more than ever before is false teachers rising up within the visible church. And there are many out there today. They're teaching things, they're preaching things, they're writing things in books, they're making movies, they're doing all kind of stuff. But the bottom line is what they're sharing is not the truth. But once we learn the Word of God, we learn how to rightly divide the Word of God. When Once we learn the truth, we're able to teach other people, but we're also able to defend. We're able to say, whoa, wait a minute here. That's not the truth. And I don't apologize for God's truth in this program. I'm not going to. There's a lot of people believing a lot of things today, saying a lot of things that are just not true. And that's why these three priorities, learn, teach, defend, are the priorities of the Marty Minto Show podcast. But again, we are so delighted, again, already reaching so many people. What a blessing it is in disguise. 
Uh, I can tell you right now, I'm blown away. There are so many stories of things to talk about today. A matter of fact, one of the stories that just catching my mind and won't let go of it is the fact that I began to realize that there are people all over our world today, um, as you've heard me say time and time again, they believe all kind of different things. Well, I, I come to realize something that just was mind-boggling just recently in an article that I was reading, and that is the fact that more and more um, young people, when it comes to their belief systems, when it comes to their faith, it is not necessarily always based upon the faith of their parents, their grandparents, whatever the case may be. Uh, new research has come down from Barnum. Uh, here's out of Christian, the Christian Post. Christians who don't have a passed-down faith have stronger theological convictions, Barner finds. Now, this is important. I'll tell you why this is. The other day in the program, I talked about secondhand theology. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure, that, sure whether I coined that term myself. I used it many, many, many years ago on the radio. Many people told me they never heard about it before, but I coined it. I came up with it one night, secondhand theology. And that is basically in just simple language here from the blue-collar theologian. It's just you take what your parents have taught you, your grandparents, the preacher at your church, your family, whatever the culture that you have been raised in, and whatever they believe you believe. I mean, but you really don't have any real strong, deep theological convictions because you hold on to things that have been passed down to you. Now, we know when it comes to salvation, we talk about being a Christian and the, you know, the faith, the faith. There's only one true biblical Christian faith, and that faith is in the Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the the only begotten Son of God. I mean, we could go on and on. The bottom line is when we talk about faith, we're not talking about something that we hold on to because it's been passed down from generation to generation. It's personal. It is our own personal conviction, our own belief. I always go back to my favorite, and many of you who know me uh, very personally, you know that uh, I have much to say on this issue, and, and nothing has really changed in my life when it comes to that, but John chapter 8, verse 24, John chapter 8, verse 24, um, we find a reality that is, well, it's it just confronts all men, and that is simply this. Jesus said, I said therefore to you that you shall die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And it's personal. Salvation, our belief of whether or not we believe, whether or not we have faith or trust in Jesus, it's a personal thing. We can't base it upon our, our mother's convictions or beliefs or our father's or, or our other siblings or our grandparents, etc. I've heard people, I've asked people before about certain topics. They say, well, I believe that because, you know, Dr. Stanley on TV says it. Well, okay, that's great that Dr. Stanley, but what do you believe? Well, that's what I believe because he says it, and he's a good preacher, and I, I trust him, and I, he wouldn't tell me a lie, so I hold on to what Dr. Stanley has told me. But the truth of the matter is they don't have their own personal, uh, in-depth, foundational theological conviction. 
And that's really what secondhand theology is all about. So Barner comes up with this new study, which apparently is a study that has never been done at Barner before. Uh, matter of fact, uh, they're saying, according to Barner President David uh, Kinneman, he said during a, a launch event for the study that was held at the Concordia Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas, he said, this project is one of the first of its kind that I know of. And actually, I've been at Barner now for almost 25 years. The company is 35 years old, and we have done a lot of research in that time. But apparently, this has not been uh, a part of the research in all those years. But here's what they're coming up with. Christians who grew up in homes where Christianity was incorrectly modeled. That's very, very important. And those who didn't have their faith formed by relatives in their home are more likely to have stronger theological convictions than Christians who say their faith was passed down to them. This is according to the research. Now, I, I see this from almost like a two-sided coin, because I think that there is an aspect that when you truly do, or you are raised in a Christian family that has Christian values and, and a Christian worldview, I think by far it's going to impact you, and, and I would hope and pray that that impact would be a positive thing especially the Word of God. But I like what it says here, Who uh, Christians who grew up in homes where Christianity was incorrectly modeled. That, that's a big thing. You know, it goes back to, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You know, there is hypocrisy. I've heard it for years, I'm sure you have too, that one of the biggest beefs about Christianity today is the hypocrisy. Uh, you know, so-called, you know, Christians talk a good talk, but they don't walk the talk. And I, I, I could just tell you from personal experience for years of pastoring churches and, and doing Christian talk radio and, and, and just meeting people all across this nation, that's the number one thing, hypocrisy. Uh, hypocrisy runs rampant. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's—I it, remember once a story of being told about the family would sit down every day for devotions. But after devotional time— where they, you know, they would pray, they would open God's Word, they would talk, and the Father would lead them, and, you know, they did their thing. The rest of the time in the home was pretty much, it was just out of control. A lot of screaming, yelling, swearing, just carrying on. I mean, it just, it was chaotic. And I remember, you know, this individual sharing that, you know, they grew up totally confused because they would hear what the what the father, what the mother, you know, what their parents had to say, but it wasn't lived out on a daily basis. And uh, yet at the same time, they would go after, you know, this particular, you know, individual when they were a child saying, you can't do this, can't do that. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? But there was nothing but hypocrisy in the home life. And I think that's a real issue. I, I really believe it's an issue that that is far beyond. I could sit here today and tell you stories that would just blow your mind as a pastor that has witnessed over the years by visiting people what I'm talking about. Um, and it's a real issue. And I, I think, you know, it's not just the talk. It's not just what we say, but it's the life in which we live. And I, I think that's something that everyone out there needs to understand. If you're not a parent yet, you're going to be a parent someday. Uh, you've got to walk the talk. 
If you are a parent, you are someone out there, you're raising children, or even if you're not, you're just, you know, hey, listen, you, you got a job or you're living in society, you have neighbors next to you, you're a part of this world, you, you claim to be a born-again Christian, a child of God. Do your neighbors, do your coworkers, do your children, do your grandchildren, do people around you who know you, would that be their testimony? I mean, if, if we would go and do kind of like, you know, we would interview them secretly behind closed doors, would they testify to you being one of those godly people, religious people, someone who just is kind and loving, compassionate, someone who's always in the Bible, sharing, wanting to pray with them. I mean, I could go on. Not that these things make us a Christian, but I think they're evidences of the fact that we our life has been changed. What would people say? And that's something I think all of us need to think about, and we need to. But, but I find it interesting. And when I was thinking about this, too, it reminded me also, i got to be honest with you, of what Paul wrote to young Timothy in the Scriptures. Now, I, I think this this is uh, this to me is just it's big stuff here, and I'm going to tell you why it's big stuff, because we come to realize that, that young Timothy, from his childhood, listen to this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. I'll, actually, I'll start with verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So obviously when he was a youngster in his home, the Scriptures, the Word of God, were taught to him. And, you know, it's one thing of being taught to—today, unfortunately, but true, I don't see a lot of that i got to be honest with you, a lot of folks don't do family devotions. The parents don't spend time in the Word of God. Or we make excuses, and um, we ourselves aren't even the Word of God, but we want our children to do so. Or you probably heard this one, too. That's why we take our kids to church, so that the youth group leader or the Sunday school teacher can instill into them the Word of God. But that's not how it should be. I mean, here's the perfect example from the Scripture itself. He was learned, he was taught at a young age from childhood. He knew the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus. It's, it's the beginning place. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. The bottom line is, uh, you know, it's not just reading the Scriptures or hearing the Scriptures that are going to save you. But the Scripture should point us to salvation, which is found through faith in Jesus Christ. But, but I also—and I'm sitting here, and I'm just thinking about this. This also goes back to the fact that Paul uh, told Timothy earlier on in that second letter in chapter 1, verse 5, he says, "'For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois.'" And in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. See, see, see. Faith is personal. You know, uh, believing, putting your trust. Unless you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. It's a personal thing. It, it can't be a passed down faith from one to another. Uh, that's why it's so important. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. 
you know, as as most of my children are grown now, they have their own children, and I'm a grandparent. Um, you know, my kids have shared some things over the years. I remember one son uh, not only sharing with me, but he did it as a testimony once. There was a time that, quote-unquote, he trusted Jesus, he got baptized, he went through all the things just to please his mom and dad, just because his dad was a preacher. He went through, but guess what? He, he, he truly was not saved. Um, you know, there's some people that think, you know, because they're raised, quote-unquote, in a Christian home. But here in Barnard's research, Barnard is showing here in this research that those who are raised in a house where Christianity is incorrectly modeled or they don't have much influence of the faith, actually they have stronger convictions uh, when it comes to what they believe. Now, i got to say this. It doesn't mean they have stronger convictions always about Christianity, though. See, the flip side of the coin, and, I, and I'm not trying to read into this article, but I, I think it, it tells us that. But for those who are claiming to be Christians, they know what they believe and why they believe it. And it's not because mom told me, dad told me, grandma told me this is what I must believe. I believe it because I believe it. I've studied it. I've looked at it. I've read it. I, I've taken it in. This is who I am. But I believe the same goes for those others who are no longer walking in a part of Christianity. See, now remember, there are many studies out there that are showing that young people, once they leave the home and go into college, uh, I think it was Lifeway Research, I, I don't have it in front of me, but years ago demonstrated amongst the Southern Baptists the amount of young adults that are quote-unquote walking away from Christianity. They're no longer being a part and I think this study with Barner could show us some reasons why, too. But the truth of the matter is they really weren't saved. As I mentioned, one of my children, they weren't saved. They were just religious. They did things because mom and dad took them to church because they had to go to church. They had to go to youth group, had to go to Sunday school. We had to have devotional time, prayer time. We had to do this. We had to do that. But the truth of the matter is there was no personal conviction. Uh, there was nothing in their life truly that demonstrate it. They may have claimed with their lips, I am a Christian. That's why when people say that to me, I say, well, what does that mean, you're a Christian? You know, I, I think that we have to go beyond that. I, I like this because I've said it for years. I used to tell people, I could go into my garage and say, brum, brum, I'm a car. That doesn't make me a car. You could say whatever you want to say, See, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the life that you live. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. And I think, obviously, as we gain knowledge, as we are in the Scriptures, as we hear, as, as we are taught, obviously it is that wisdom that leads us, points to Christ himself. And we have to what? Believe by faith. That's how we're justified. That's how we're saved, by faith alone. And our object of our faith is Jesus Christ, period. But this is something that's personal. I also was thinking about this, too, here uh, today, and I know, you know, I think it's just as um, relevant today as it was back then. But remember John the Baptist? You know, in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, interesting statement. John the Baptist is baptizing people. And um, he, in verse 7, he begins to see many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism. 
And here's what John the Baptist says. Listen to this carefully. He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, if you truly are a child of God, it's going to be proven in your life that you live. The way you talk, the way you act, it's going to be evident. Just like Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. But listen to what he says next. It's, 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 it just goes right along with what we're talking about here today. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. See, Abraham was the spiritual father. He was the one that the Jews looked unto. He was the one that God made the covenant with, the one that gave the promise uh, and what would take place. And, and But the Jews were really, they were confused about what that was all about because the seed that God had promised to Abraham, the seed that he had talked about was Christ himself, Christ Jesus. But but they looked to Father Abraham, as they called him. But listen to what he say. For I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. See, see, the truth of the matter is just because Father Abraham was the one who went before you, the spiritual giant, the mentor, the one you look to, just because you were a Jew doesn't mean you get into heaven. Just because you're a Jew, this is not based upon the fact that you have a particular bloodline that you automatically get a pass-go, and you get to go and be in the presence of God for all eternity. But I think this is interesting, because in in the book, in the Gospel of John, uh, in the New Testament, John says this, listen to this, it says, he came to his own, chapter 1, verse 11, and those who were his own did not receive him. Now, this meaning Jesus. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So once again, salvation is a personal thing. Faith that we have is in Christ, and God is only the one who could grant someone the right, the permission. He's the only one who could save somebody. You can't just be saved because you want to be saved. It is a work of God in someone's life. But listen to this. This is very interesting. It says here that those who, as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But my first thing here is the, the not born of blood. Just because they were a Jew, just because they had ancestry, just because they had you know, you know, Father Abraham doesn't mean that they automatically get a pass go. Now, I could get deeper into that verse and start tearing it apart and looking at other things about the, the will and stuff like that, it, you know, the flesh. And, you know, it, it, we know that salvation is a God thing. He who began the good work will complete it to the very end, Philippians 1.6. We know we know that God is at work. Jesus said, "No one can come unto me unless the Father draws him." We could get we could really get into this deep. But my point is just simply here: you can't say because your parents are Christian, or your grandparents, or you go to a Christian church, or you claim to be a Christian, or because you have you know I have you know in my in my background I got three preachers. You know, my great grandfather was a preacher. My uncle Harry was a preacher. My cousin Billy was a preacher. So I'm all set. No, you can't do that. It does not work that way. So I think this article is very, very uh, just intriguing. 
Uh, and again, the title of the article is called Households of Faith. And uh, again, uh, these are people who are practicing Christian adults uh, and also teens. And uh, they talk about their faith. They talk about their life and what it was like and all this and what influenced them and what, you know, you know what, what took place. And I'll tell you truthfully, I think it's a great article. But at the same time, we know the truth based upon the Word of God, unless you believe. It's personal. And we cannot get into heaven on the coattails of our parents, grandparents, of a particular denomination, a particular group of people, or even having blood. Just because you're a Jew doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be with the king of the Jews, Jesus himself. It doesn't work that way. But again, uh, in this article, it kind of it just lays out. That's all I'm saying. It lays out just a great reality that all of us need to really think about and think about carefully in our lives and know what we believe and why we believe it. And in our day and age, especially when it comes to young people, it is very important. And what I am experiencing myself is watching young people who are literally sitting ducks. Forgive me for using that term, but I don't know any other way. They supposedly come out of a Christian home, out of a Christian church, and they go into the real world. And in the real world, they're sitting ducks. And what comes after them is an onslaught of people trying to get their attention, trying to sway them, trying to lead them and guide them in another direction, whether it be Islam, Buddhism, whether it be someone who's like, you know, there ain't no God. The truth is, God doesn't exist. This Christianity stuff its based upon myths. Or you get the, you know, the, the, the guys with all the shiny, bright, white teeth dressed up who say that we're from the true church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or, you know, the Jehovah Witness, or whatever the case, and here's the real Jesus. And what you have is young people that are led to the slaughter because they don't know what they believe and why they believe it. And some of you out there listening to this podcast, even as adults, you know that to be the case. You really don't know what you believe and why you believe it. And the reason why is because you're not in the Word of God. You don't have a strong foundation. You, you don't have strong convictions because you hold on to secondhand theology. And some people think it's, well, you know what? That's for the pe- preachers. That's for the professors at the Bible college. That's not for me. And that's where you're absolutely positively wrong. It is for you. We must know what we believe and why we believe it. We must not hold on to secondhand theology. We must be grounded and and firmly rooted and know what we believe and why we believe it. There's another story out there about uh, a university dean talking about religion and uh, schools. Um, A university dean has resigned after the school bans Chick-fil-A. The reason? Because I am a very committed Christian. I don't understand this article. I'll be honest with you. Some may totally disagree with me about it, but I, I, I'm just I'm wondering about this. The university dean has resigned after her school doubled down on their ban of the Chick-fil-A over its Christian values. Ryder University students voted to bring Chick-fil-A, one of the most pos- popular fast food restaurants in the nation, to their New Jersey campus, but the private university nixed the proposal because of the chain's perceived opposition to the LBGTQ community. 
Cynthia Newman, the dean of the College of Business at Ryder University, said the decision was more than just the student's desire for waffle fries and chicken sandwiches. For her, it was about Chick-fil-A's corporate values, and the university seemed to denounce faith and values that she personally holds. I felt like I had been punched in the stomach when I read the statement Newman said to the campus reform. I'm a very committed Christian, and Chick-fil-A's values, their corporate purpose statement, is to glorify God and to be faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to them and to have a positive influence on everyone who comes into contact with them. And I would say that that's that's what mirrors my personal beliefs. Um, And so I felt... I really felt it was very personal when this took place, and she makes no qualms about it. That's her personal beliefs. But Newman said that she's not someone who typically makes a fuss, so she reached out to the university officials privately, asking them if they would issue an apology for the offense made in their initial email. The university, however, doubled down on the Chick-fil-A ban and sent another campus-wide email complete with talking points about their inclusion. But for the dean, it was the last straw. She said she couldn't get behind the university in good conscience because of her Christian faith and values. And their ban indicated that people who adhere to values similar to Chick-fil-A are not responsible citizens. So on February 14th, after weeks of mulling the decision, Newman announced her resignation. Much to her surprise, Newman received a lot of support from faculty and staff for showing that no one one group's opinion, values, or beliefs should be elevated over anyone else's. We should be able to respectfully disagree. We shouldn't be putting down one person's values because they don't align with our personal values. You're the one who has to live in the world that's around you, she said. And so if you feel that something's not right in the world, you have an obligation to stand up and to say, what your personal perspective is on that. I agree with that. I think she's done that. My problem with the story is I'm not sure that if I was the dean, I would resign. We're living in a fallen world. We're living amongst people who are lost. We're living in a time period where everybody's cry is, let's hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Can't we all get along? I mean, come on. And if you begin to stand on the Bible, you begin to have very strong beliefs based upon God's Word, because you're a Christian, just like we've been talking about all day here, that somehow, you know, you're, you know, you are going to be the minority. Well, I want to tell you this, folks. The truth of the matter is you are of the minority. And God's Word says we shouldn't be shocked when we're persecuted for doing what is right. We shouldn't be shocked when we stand up for the truth and we speak the truth and people shoot us down. We shouldn't be shocked that people want to stop the the movement and the proclaiming of the gospel message in our world. We should not be shocked because Jesus said, you'll be hated by all men because of me. But he reminded us, uh, guess what? They hated me first. I think the truth of the matter is we need to be continue to be light in the midst of darkness. And when darkness seems to be growing strong, we have to turn up the light. And, and, and please, this is nothing against uh, Miss Newman here, but I, but I— I think I would have stood my ground and said, you know what, okay, but I am not going to stop being who I am. I would think as being a dean of a college, you have a great opportunity to let your light shine amongst a lot of folks, and I think there's a right way to do it, and then there's a wrong way to do it. Um, And again, I'm not downing her either. Uh, She made a decision, a personal decision. She held to it, and she resigned. 
I don't think I would have, though, because, again, we have to realize a time in which we live. We have to learn what the Word of God tells us. We are going to be persecuted. We are going to be hated. Now, if she got fired for letting her light shine, I think that would be a whole totally different story. But that's what's troubling me about this story. I love Chick-fil-A. You know, I'm not against Chick-fil-A. But because someone doesn't use Chick-fil-A, even based upon their religious views and values, doesn't mean that I would stop talking to them. I wouldn't no longer associate with them or that I would jump the ship on a job because they refuse to use them as, you know, one of their food conveyors. I, I just, I'm not sure I'd go there. But again, I'd love to hear from you. Email me, martyminto at gmail.com. Stop back by our Facebook page or Twitter, uh, our Instagram, and now on Snapchat. And I'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much. I really mean it. Thank you for listening to the Marty Minto Show podcast. Lord willing, I'll be back again tomorrow with more of the Marty Minto Show podcast, the informative voice for Christianity all across America. Thanks for stopping by an apologetic show that doesn't apologize for the truth. The Marty Mento Show. I remember staring when he calls it in and ice. It's time to get your courage up. There is this road in Damascus that you must go down. Gotta